The Diesel Performance Podcast contains explicit language. Thank you for joining us again. This is Paul Wilson. And this is Chris Emke. You're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Guys, would love a huge favor from you. Please subscribe to the show and share our most recent episode on your Facebook page. It means so much to us when you do that. We can see it on Facebook. We track those type of things. Uh, it is huge for the show, and it really does mean a lot to us. Agreed. No. <laughs> Seriously, guys, share it, view it, do what you got to do, get your buddies involved. We know not all your friends are listening to us and listening to the channel. So please, there's a lot of good information and, uh, you know, we're just trying to inspire. Absolutely. And before we dive into today, uh, we do want to give a huge shout out to Duramax Tuner, taking a look at their Stealth 64 LB7 turbocharger. Guys, I know a lot about this turbo. I sell a lot of them. It's a drop-in replacement turbo for your LB7. So if you have an 01 to 04 Silverado with a Duramax in it, you have a stock turbo that performs okay. Right, Chris? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, a lot of the guys, there's there's two two options here. Yep. You have a failed turbo. You have a, several hundred thousand miles. You're looking for a replacement. The Stell 64 is in that price point. It's a direct drop-in. You see some gains in EGT control and whatnot. Um, or you want to do a build in stages. You know, the turbocharger is one of the weak links there and hindering maxing out the, the factory fuel system. So again, the 64 millimeter, you won't lose the drivability, but you'll pick up on the mid-range and top end. So it has a, a bang for your buck that you can't deny. Absolutely. Uh, those go out at 1850. There is a small core on them and they are immediately available. Give a call over to DuramaxTuner.com today to get one for your LB7. That's 815-568-7920. Now, Let's get the fuck into today's show, Dude, Chris. I'm excited. I'm the, excited. <laughs> this one, I think, is going to be a blast. Guys, of course, you saw the title. Chris and I are going to put together a 600-horsepower LB7 Duramax work stock build. Now, this is a mock build. We're not actually going out to buy these parts and buy right. this truck. But we figured what we would do is we wanted to give our listeners an idea of if you have an LB7 or if you're thinking about getting into sled pulling this is the basics. This is what you want to know about getting your truck ready to hit the track. Yeah, I, I would go a step further. This isn't just specific to the LB7. Um, this would be kind of a mock-up for you know really any of the Duramaxes. Absolutely um, correct. You know maybe little minor differences, but the the main bulk of of the setup would you know pertain to all the year trucks. Absolutely, absolutely correct. Uh, so really excited to go through this. It is going to put down a couple of parameters on it. I thought the first thing we would do is anytime we talk sled pulling, we talk about all of the sled pulling rules. Yeah. So depending on where you are in the country and depending on what pulls you're going to, maybe even the same track, just different nights, there are different sled pull organizations that write the rules. Absolutely. You know, specking a lot of builds with, with guys, you know, depending on what state you're in or where you're located in the state, these rules do vary. I've seen anything and everything under the sun. So oh my God. please do not listen to this build and think you are good. Make sure you look at the rules for the pulling sanction that you are going to be pulling in, please. Absolutely correct. We've even seen crazy stuff like stock turbo class. Yeah. like and Not they stock are, appearing, no, but stock, stock turbo. Stock turbo. I, I had a guy who we did, uh, it was a, a work stock sled pull. We're like, all right, I got this turbocharger we could put on there. It'll, it'll pass work stock because it looks stock appearing. No, man, he was an open 
all oh my year. God. He's like, I'm getting my, he's like, I'm, I'm holding my own. You know, he's doing third, fourth place out of, you know, eight, 10, 15 trucks. He was like, but I was dominating, you know, last year with a stock turbo. So he ended up going backwards and putting a stock turbo back on the truck. If that's what the class so, is, that's what the class, it's unfortunate. It is. I really hate that class, but it, it does exist. So know what, know what you're getting into. Uh, for our truck, we were looking at the Illini State Pullers Association. ISP. ISP. Uh, Calibrated Power sponsors them as well. Yep. Great organization. We've worked with the guys a ton. We've actually had Tom Van Housen yeah. on the show. Uh, he runs the sled pull or the sled uh, okay. in the ISP yep. class. Uh, so their rules are pretty simple. Now, they do have some general like safety rules, um, some simple stuff like that. Yeah. But just for your work stock diesel, you have a maximum weight with 8,000 pounds, including the driver. Right. Uh, you have a stock appearing turbo only, inlet no larger than 2.6 inches. That's the same size as LLY. Right. Uh, single turbo only unless vehicle is manufactured with twin turbos, which some of the right. Fords out some there. Some of the Fords and things like yeah. that. Uh, and then OEM twin turbos allowed. Diesel fuel only, no injectables. This includes nitrous and water meth, although I don't think water meth is enough of a horsepower right. bump or the right move in a sled pull. Uh, electronic tuners allowed. So you can tune the truck and have a stock appearing turbo. And then exhaust uh, must, must exit up by either the bed stack or elbowing point installed on the tailpipe. So they, they don't want the exhaust blowing back Shooting, into the driver's right. face, right? Or I'm sorry, not the driver, in the, the, in the sled. sled. Pole, yeah, right. the sled operator's face. So you have to shoot the exhaust up, and that, that works beautifully. So pretty simple as far as that's concerned. What we're looking for is those normal trucks. Uh, maybe you built your trans, maybe you didn't. You, you, you've been to the poles a few times. This is probably your first or maybe just first 10 times being out. I work mean, stock place is a great place for you. Yeah, I mean, the work stock guys, these are guys that use their trucks. Maybe they still use them for, for work during the week. Maybe this is their only vehicle. When you get into the 25, 26, 30, I mean, you're serious money. These really aren't street trucks anymore. So this is a truck that you can still use on the street, still use it as a work truck if you needed to, and then, you you know, go to the local fair and, and pull on the weekends. And that, that's a great point, Chris, because that is actually one of the general rules for their work class uh, is must be able to drive in yep. and drive out plated. with plates yep. and insurance. So it has to be a, an actual daily driver. Now, you can plate and insure any truck you right. want, whether you drive it or not, but you're not driving something with a drop box. No, and I think, you know. You know Going back to what we're talking about in our, our build today is this is a truck that is going to be competitive in work stock, but this is a truck that can still be a reliable daily driver, still tow, still do what you need it to do during the week. So this could be the jack of all trades, more or less. Absolutely. Which I think is appealing. You know, I, I think oh, that's yeah. what most of our listeners are driving. Absolutely. Uh, so again, we want to see you guys get out there, sled pull with your trucks, get involved in your local organizations. If you're not sure who your local organization is, Type in the name of your state and sled pull organization to this amazing thing called Google. Oh, you have that. It's not broken. Dude, oh my God. <laughs> One of my favorite, favorite tools. That's, yeah. No comment. I'm done there. I don't want to say anything wrong. But yes. So I'm going to dive in. Uh, I am going to be covering the engine and trans on this LB7 mock build. Okay. So first thing I would do is start it. Actually, that's literally how I thought of this is like, okay, let's start at the front of the truck and Absolutely. work our way back. Right. So S&B intake. Uh, I ran S&B just because that's what we provide here. You're not going to measure a huge gain by changing your intake out from stock. Absolutely. The stock intake, especially on an LB7, guys, cut out the bottom of the box. Mm -hmm. Flows the same amount of air as an S&B. Cost you half the money. It's totally fine. The S&B does look much nicer, and it does have that uh, viewable top so you can see the filter. Right. I like that. Most guys for a pole, 
popping out the headlight and and pulling the the filter right. anyways. That's a choice. I, again, I That's think what it's I do, hard. Paul. To, I think it's hard to measure the gains in that. Whether or not that Man. actually helps at at the sled poles, I'll be surprised. At the drag strip, another story. You're forcing a lot more air. There's a lot more air speed there. When your peak is 23 miles an hour, 25 miles an hour. It, it's a placebo. Every little thing counts. Right. And that's, that's what it amounts to. That, that, that's what guys will tell you. Right. Um, like, oh, I don't want to lose anything. I I challenge that one. Uh, also, LB7s, we run an intake horn on those. Yep. Whether you hone it out with a Dremel or whether you buy one, I don't care. Uh, the size of that intake horn, that's the horn directly bolted onto the face of the turbo. That's a little restrictive. If you make it a little bit larger inside without poking a hole through it, you, you will benefit. Yeah, there, there is a lip on the, the, the bottom of the horn where it faces the compressor housing of the turbo. Yep. So guys can go in there, take like a Dremel, ream it out, open it up, or uh, do like a, an aftermarket profab unit or something like that. So. Yep. Or uh, even call them over at Duramax Tuner. Yeah. We got them on the shelf we as do. well. We do. So. Uh, this leads me into the turbo itself. The goodies. This right. is where the magic happens. Right. So we had mentioned the Stell 64 earlier in our commercial for Duramax Tuner. Uh to be honest with you guys, I do know this charger very well. Uh, I've run several trucks with it. It is obvious a perfect drop in here. Uh, to be honest with you, back in the day when we first designed this turbo, or I say we because I had nothing to do with it. I just worked there at the time. But uh, when this turbo was originally designed, one of the big motivators was the Workstock sled pull class. That's where the turbocharger had its uh, true push That's know, right. when we were designing it. We so. had to have something that was also drivable, something that you could also tow with, something that you could also daily drive with. Uh, but we really wanted something that could max out our stock fuel system. Mm -hmm. So that's where I spec this truck. That's a real nice place to be in the Workstock class. Class. Um, as you're going to do a turbo, you would be, well, I'll just say it, you'd be stupid not to do a downpipe at the same time. Uh, so three-inch downpipe, again, you can get those DRP, Profab, uh, whoever you want. Right. Um, any of the aftermarket downpipes are much larger than the stock one. They get rid of some kinks. Uh, so again, you're going to have the turbo off. You'd be crazy not to do this at the same time. Now, I can move into to some different options here. So depending on what your budget and your situation is, I've seen some shit happen, right? So I've seen guys go to pull the turbo off and realize that they've had a blown up pipe for Bellow, months, right? right? So one of the bellows will blow out in your stock up pipe. Well, if that's the situation, you're going to throw up pipes on it. Up pipes are about 550. Set of manifolds and up pipes are about 1,000. The up pipes are off. The turbo's off. You have access. I wouldn't say you're stupid not to do a manifold at this point, right? If you have to do a, an uppipe, I would just say it's probably going to help save you on labor yeah, in I the would. long run. And you will see some gains from it. So you will get a little bit lower EGTs for operating. You're not going to make more boost. You're not going to make more power. I would say, you know, with, with the turbocharger in play and the power level that we're shooting for, that's where you, you kind of, you seem to see the limitations of what the factory uppipes are capable of. Yes. You, you see a lot of guys blowing bellows at the 550 to 600 horse mark. So, I mean, even if you didn't do the manifolds and you just did the uppipes, um, it's an insurance, guys, that you don't have to go into the back of the truck or get underneath and, and fish your way and getting those up pipes off. They're bastards. They yes. suck. If the turbo's off, you're there. Yeah, it's a little extra money, but well worth it. Right. And it's one of those, again, I, I for my customers at work, I suggest this based on inspection. Right. So if we pull the turbo off, we didn't break any bolts, the up pipes look perfect, 
you're doing mostly daily driving, you maybe sled pull twice a year, I'm not going to recommend up pipes. Uh, If you're going to go out every weekend and you're going to do 10 to 15 pulls this year and you pull a heavy trailer across the country or whatever, yeah, I'm going to be like, rather be safe than sorry. Absolutely. So know your truck. Um, Same hot side intercooler pipe. I had a lot of hot side intercooler pipes with holes in them that have just been banged up over the years. Again, budget allowing. They run about 280. Uh, I'd suggest the WC Fab ones. They do a great job powder coating. Nice. Fitment solid. Um, So the the hot side intercooler pipe, again, you're not going to measure a huge gain. All these little things together, you'll measure some drops in EGT. It's all about efficiency. It's a little bit larger. You're moving the air through. Um, so it's a good idea. I would say the exact same recommendation falls into the Y-Bridge kit. Mm-hmm. I don't blow a lot of LB7 Y-Bridges unless I'm larger than a Cell 64. Yeah, I mean, it's a one-piece, but they are restrictive. So yeah. there's a couple different Y-Bridges that you you know, you know can go with. You know, you can get a nice fab three-inch. Or there's actually like budget Y-Bridge kits out there that are uh, opened internally, but they're still the factory appearing right. LB7 style. So And, and on those... <sighs> I probably wouldn't do that. I get it. You know, if, if you're restricted on the budget and you have to replace a Y-Bridge, right. I could see doing it. But if I was suggesting something for somebody else's truck or for my own truck, I would I would do the three-inch well, it's full a Y-Bridge. It's laborsome once again, just yeah. like the, the up-pipes. Do it once. Yes, it's going to be a little bit more money right off the bat, but – to the guys that aren't doing the work themselves, a shop is going to hose you. you. Just do it once. Do it right the first time. And if you are doing it yourself, well, I hope you have a lot of free time on your hands because it, it is laborsome <laughs> to get to. It's tough. No, it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you're on, I assume, a topside creeper hanging into the, the bay. And yeah. most guys don't have a topside creeper at home. So no. you're just hanging out on the fender. It's a long job to no, do it like I'll, that. Man, I don't I don't know about you, Paul, but uh, having a little uh, loving in the oven on the top end of me, you know, being on <laughs> one of those topside creepers, they're uncomfortable. I'd rather literally lean over the truck, yeah. you know, so getting on the, the, the Y-bridge and, and the intercooler pipe. It's there. You have to be on top of it. It's uncomfortable, to it say is. the least. Yep. Uh, of course, while you're doing the Y-Bridge kit, you'll also do your cold side intercooler yep. piping. You can buy the whole thing as a kit. Um, that's, a, that's a solid option. And so far, everything I've suggested, even down to the Stell 64, exact same 01 to 10, probably even 01 to 16, Chris. Um, I might not get into some of these parts because I would run probably similar to the a uh, clean sweep build right. on an LML, so I wouldn't do a Y-bridge. I wouldn't do manifolds and up pipes. Um, I might take a look at a hot side pipe, uh, Cell 64, down pipe, and an intake, though. I would do all of those even up to a 2016. Absolutely. Uh, okay. That pretty much takes care of your top end as mm-hmm. far as power goes. So where we're getting our power is really going to be from that turbo. Now, this is also assuming that we have really, really healthy stock injectors in a CP3. Now, by healthy, I don't mean the guy you bought it from on Craigslist told you he put new injectors in it a 1,000 miles ago. Because Chris has told guys that, and it's never been true. Hey, no, I'm just kidding. To I'm any of the kidding. future customers I do personal business with, don't <laughs> listen to that. But let, let's touch on that, because we actually had a discussion about this yesterday, talking yeah. about the fuel system. Now, if I was specking something and I was doing it, I always go a little bit bigger on injector, a little bit bigger on pump, scale things back, have that insurance of going more in the future. With the Stell 64 and modified injectors and a modified pump, yeah, you're probably not going to see much of a gain. We've actually tested it. We have. That was one of the first Absolutely. tests. So Tim Hilgendorf's black regular cab LB7 ran, <laughs> ran, ran 30% injectors and dual fuelers. Yep. 
Uh, we picked up, I want to say, like 15 horsepower, yeah, it was, it 12 wasn't horsepower. Much, guys. It was pretty you know, minuscule. It, it goes back to budget. If you have the extra money to throw at it, going with a little bit bigger injector and pump doesn't necessarily hurt you. But again, you know, com- being competitive in the work stock class with stock injectors and pump, you are going to be competitive. Yeah. You know, so the bang for your buck is there. Um, being competitive is real. You know, you're going to be a true contender at that point. It, it's, it's a replacement question, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So if you're going to replace them, and you're never going to go over 600 horsepower. Like this is literally, this is all the power you're ever going to want. You're never gonna 100% build a motor. sure. Never going to build a motor. Right? I probably would go with the sportsman's because yep. I'd save absolutely. the 1300 bucks or no, whatever it is. It, it's a, it, it, I don't want to say it's it's like, oh, it's no money. It's still a, it's still a chunk mean, of change. You don't hate money? I right. hate money, man. I Screw hate money. it. Just I just throw it. it out the window. <laughs> Whenever I have too much, I just drive down the window and throw it out. Um, that's never happened. Please Ever. don't drive behind me. Um, <laughs> I know where I'm headed. <laughs> oh, but yeah, but and that's why I say so. So if you have to replace your pump, on the other hand, the sportsman pump, is better than stock as opposed like the sportsman injectors pretty much are stock injectors. We don't even do a calibration change for them. Sportsman pump is going to be more efficient at high RPM. So it'll hold load at high RPM for a longer time. That is really important. Personally, I've had LB7 pump issues personally with about every LB7 I've driven. I would go with just balls out and run a 10 mil even with the stock injectors. I know that's an extra thousand bucks or 850 bucks, whatever. Um, to me, it's just worth it. I know I'm not going to drop rail pressure. And that is one of the killers on these trucks is if you're dropping rail pressure, you're not winning. So. I mean, I think the big thing is is just you know going back to the drawing board, figuring out what your, your budget allows, and yep. then picking the right components to work with. I wouldn't go bigger injectors without doing the bigger pump. You know, so you definitely do the bigger pump before the injectors at that point. Right. It's going to gain nothing for you doing it the opposite way. It could actually hurt you. So, you know, I, I agree with you on that. Sweet. Uh, transmission. So when I first started in Duramax world, I thought if you wanted to make 500 horse, you just had to have a transmission. You just, you had to do it. Well, then we've done some poking around and some budget builds throughout the years. Um, something cool about sled pulling. You're not going to get out of third gear if you're doing it right. right. Maybe fourth gear at the very most. Your LB7 transmissions, one of your weaker transmissions, it's your, your five speed Allison 1000. Um, they really don't like the 4.5 upshift or 5.4 downshift. Overdrive is generally what kills those transmissions. But if you're only holding third gear, you're not going to get into that really, really weak spot. Do you have to build the trans? Because the trans is 5500 bucks plus. Yeah. No, it, it, it's definitely uh, probably half the cost of the truck. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, right. Depending exactly. on some of these LD7s. Um, so are you telling guys that you could probably get away with a converter? If you're going to only sled pull a few times a year and you're mostly going to daily drive the truck and you have the self-control level to actually turn down the tune when you're not sled pulling. Yeah. I think you can get away with honestly a Transco junior shift kit and uh, like a Garand X converter. Mm-hmm. That's probably a little bit overkill. The, the yeah. X converter from Garand's your triple disc right. billet, billet stator. Um, but I mean, you're talking like 1550 there, Transco junior kits, a couple hundred bucks. Right. I mean, you're under two grand if you can do it yourself. Right. Would I do it myself? No. I don't, I don't fuck around with transmissions. I ain't scared of them. I just don't fuck with them. Right. Um, but yeah, seriously, I, I would have somebody else do it. And I, if that's how I was going to use the truck and I knew I really had that self-control to stay out of those tunes when I'm on the street, yeah, absolutely. I would go with a really, really – I don't even know if I would call that a build as much as just like a Band-Aid kit. So how many people do you deal with on a day-to-day basis? Quite a few. 
How many people would actually tell you what you're telling the listeners right now and they would abide by it? You, you know, they no, won't. No, 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 no. Yes They no. won't. Yeah, no, exactly. None. Zero. So they, yeah, now you're adding a trans into the build. So now right. you're at 5,500 bucks. You have a badass trans. Support, you know, all the power in the world and probably never have anything to worry about. And that, and that is the big difference. So if you call and you want, well, I need my truck to be reliable and I want a sled pull. I might only sled pull a few times a year, but I work the truck hard the rest of its life. Right. This is th- this budget is not for no. you. You need to just pony up the dough and, and do, do a trans. built trans and then move on. You got to be able to put the power on the ground, kids. And I think you're, it's going to be a little bit more sustainable to the guy who has an LB7 with like maybe under a hundred thousand miles. Yeah. To the guy that has like my LB7 had three hundred on the clock. You know, yeah. that is not the truck guys to be throwing a converter <laughs> and a shift kit in there and running her. Okay. Yeah, it's just, it's not there. That's it. And and it is, again, you got to know where are you going to use the truck? Where does the truck make power? How are you making power? It's, it's a big difference just saying a sled pull truck could handle five, 600 horsepower yep. in third gear compared to saying I was out on the road. It was, I would, we were doing a 30 roll and I smoked it. Right. You know what I mean? You will be broken down, getting towed in. But as far as engine and trans goes, that's pretty much the gist of it. You're going to need a few supporting mods along the way. You're going to need a lift pump. We suggest the Fast 150, yep. although the Air Dog is very similar. Uh, we have had really good results of the Fast 150, and they're great guys over Absolutely. there. So we would definitely love to promote that. Um, not much else in the way of power. No. I mean, you know, this is a lot of guys, they um, they dwell on making power, and the power is what's going to get them down the, the, the sled pull track, and that's that's what it takes. But that's literally 50% of it. It is. The other 50% is the actual driveline, you know, the, the, the chassis itself, and planting that power into the dirt, getting down the track as efficiently and as effectively as possible. That's right. And Chris, um, before you dive into this, I just want yeah. to give a quick shout out to Calibrated Power for the shout John out. Deere tuning. Hell yeah. Uh, we've been working a lot with uh, farmers lately, guys who have John Deere tractors. A lot of times it's the guy who has a smaller model within the series. So if you have an 8220 or an 8330 and you're looking at, hey, I have all the same driveline and engine components as these larger models in this series, Mm -hmm. but they have more power. Well, that's because of the tuning. So our tractor tuning gives you the ability to safely upgrade your tractor to a higher model number within its same series, keep it totally safe. And let you get all of the power you paid all that money for. Right. So it's been a huge home run for farmers with one tractor, farmers with 20 tractors. We obviously can work with you to find out what's going to be best for you. Combines, sprayers. Combines and sprayers are probably some of the favorites out there. Um, But yeah, even if it's a small tractor, a big tractor, we want to talk to you about it. Definitely give us a shout over at Calibrated Power. It's the same number, 815-568-7920. Uh, give us a call today. We'll talk about John Deere tuning, tractor tuning. We also do Case, New Holland, yeah. a lot of other brands. Versatile. Yep. Cool. And Chris, we're back to talk about yes. chassis suspension setup. I gave you the hard one this time. You did. You really did. Um, I'm not going to lie. I, I used the, the search engine Google, like we were talking about earlier. <laughs> one more time. Tell me about this Google. The Google's crazy, man. <laughs> the Google, might I add, guys. No. So, um, you know, I, I have sled pulled a couple times. I, I'm more of like taking the truck out on the street, having fun, or going to the drag strip. But uh, sled pulling is a lot of fun. It's a lot more money because of everything that I'm about to tell you. You can take a street <laughs> truck, do everything that you just said. You know, make a nice 600-horse truck, go to the drag strip, have some fun. But uh, there's some serious coin that gets thrown into, you know, the next uh, group of modifications. So, you know, uh, we'll go with safety. So we'll talk about the safety side. You know, bump stops 
are going to be needed. Um, you're you're going to have to do drive shaft loops, which is actually a, a requirement from our ISP rules. Yep. Um, so you got to have uh, loops around the drive shaft in case any carnage occurs. Real quick, could I bump? Could I back you up to yeah. the bump stops for our guys who have never sled pulled before? So so a bump stop is basically a big L or T that comes out of the back of the bumper. Right. Okay. And I'm sorry, that's I said that wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, so that's your bump stop, right? So that's the big L or the T that comes out of the back of the bumper. Mm-hmm. So if <laughs> we've seen it before we on have. Clean Sweep. We have. So if all of a sudden your truck loses power yep. and the sled the is sled still rolling at 30 miles an hour and it crushes the back of your truck. It's going to hit the bump stop. Hopefully. Yes. Maybe. Yes. If In you a have perfect them. world. In right. a perfect world. <laughs> if you have them, it'll hit that. If not, it'll crush your bumper and you'll be over at the body shop. Maybe the tailgate. Maybe uh, make the bed look like an accordion. We don't yeah. know. So, you know, again, it's all about the safety features. That is one of the requirements. Um, so, yeah, sorry, I did get a little ahead of myself. You know, then going to, like I said, the drive shaft loops um, help contain that drive shaft in a, in a small area. So if a universal joint or something does go bad or the drive shaft twists and grenades, boom, it's there, it's controlled, it's not going flying into the crowd, uh, carnage isn't going to go flying in any which way. It's also not going to come through the floor pan, which right. is what I'm always the most scared of on the dyno. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Nick put it in my head, like when I first started here, that we were on the dyno, it was a Cummins, he was on it, it was making big power, all of a sudden there was this nasty sound underneath us, and like you could hear, Yep. And, and literally, he picked his feet up on the seat. And I looked at him. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, dude, if that comes through the floor, and I don't think he finished the sentence before my feet were on the seat yeah. next to him. I was like, yeah, I'm not. Well, I mean, we could put I'm it in perspective. Nick and I have been out on the dyno before with uh, a truck that was making power. And <sighs> per the customer's request, we did a one-piece drive shaft that we weren't comfortable with. So we were... We were basically mimicking what the customer used the truck for in the dyno. We're doing 140, 150 mile an hour pulls. The drive shaft exploded. It actually put holes in our dyno rollers. It put holes through the wall. It damaged the the dyno bay up pretty well. The boys in the shop were standing on the other side of the wall and said they could see the whole wall flex when the drive shaft hit the wall. It is, and that truck carnage. had no drive shaft loops. Right. You know, granted, it was it was a different <laughs> truck build altogether. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, again, it, it's the safety things that guys don't think of. You know, so you know, to all of our listeners, when you're at a dyno event, I know it's a little off topic, but when you're at a dyno event and everyone's hanging around around the dyno stand while the dyno's running, the stand fuck the back. fuck back. The God, fuck that back, me nuts. man. I I cringe. I watch YouTube videos. Oh. They've been they've been viewed a million times, right? And every time I cringe, I'm like, man, I don't want to watch this. I don't want to watch this because you think that one time something's going to happen. It's so crazy. So it's something that, you know, being here, seeing a lot of trucks on the dyno, you see a lot of that stuff and it really makes you open your eyes and, and think about that. That's so right. Something to consider to get there, guys. Um, next is going to be the transfer case brace. So again, this is a brace that goes over the transfer case itself in case any carnage were to occur. Um, not that we see it that often, but you know, you're, you're pulling a fairly heavy sled in four wheel drive. Anything's possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I think... <sighs> As you get into some of the tougher tracks, so as yeah. you get really, really sticky tracks, yep. I'd say that's probably where it's the most common. Absolutely. You know, a lot of resistance on the truck. Um, this whole sport's about finding the weak link. Yeah. Now, that's that's what that, that's why we know all of this stuff, because we've broken all of our weak links throughout the years. Absolutely. So yeah, the T case brace um, will keep you straight yeah. is really what it what it comes down to. 
And then uh, suspension stops. That would be like one of the last things as far as like the safety, maybe not so much on the safety side. It's probably as more it on like chassis, the, the chassis suspension. Side, but yeah. that's going to be my um, transition okay. into the chassis like stuff. It. So, like you know, suspension stops allows the truck to not bottom out with the heavy sled when the uh, back end starts hopping up and down, things of that nature. So yeah. it's, um, it'll, it it's helps stiffen insurance. up as exactly. well. So it helps stiffen up. So this way you don't have as much flex in your suspension. Uh, and then kind of, you know, diving into the chassis side, traction bars, number one traction bars Boom. or ladder bars you got to have them you want to prevent the axle wrap you want to pre- prevent that that axle into moving in any way we want it to plant well and move forward you ever, have so. you ever watched one of the videos of showing axle wrap yes it is crazy i never thought it was possible like you know you think about these trucks and you're like ah yeah. oh, fuck it gm built it like oh fuck it cummins built it it's yep. good um so the axle will actually wrap yep. as as you're trying to apply torque to it so it, it wants to twist and it like it looks like the whole axle. You can't see what I'm doing with my hands right now because yeah. this is an audio podcast. But trust me, I am making the motion of the axle wrapping and twisting, and it you don't it, it think, is shattered shit. You don't yeah. think about that, like even yeah. in a in a in a street application in in a, like a truck with just the tune on there. You look at the rear end and you think of how robust the leafs are in the rear end and just the whole factory uh, setup of the truck, or you know however you want to put yeah. it. And you take it out on the street and you beat on it. There's a lot of wrap even in factory form. So uh, you know the the, the traction bars for even a truck that has a tune on the street, it holds some value. Not saying you're going to be at as much of a risk as you would be in the sled pull uh, atmosphere, but right. it's a necessity, guys. Don't even waste your time going to a sled pull track without it. Otherwise, you might be risking taking the truck home on a trailer. Yeah, no shit, huh? And that's going to be a fucked up repair <laughs> bill, man. Um, and then from there, uh, lockers in the front and rear. Um, at minimum, you're going to want to do a rear locker, but uh, depending on how competitive you are and you know how uh, you want to have the upper hand, I would say a front locker is, is definitely going to be ideal as well. Yeah, we get pricey um, here, man. Once we, we do. start getting no, into lockers, we're, we're talking it's... a couple grand a piece. You know, uh, fifteen hundred. You know, per you know. Uh, Per uh, end, you know, right. front end, front end, rear end, whatever. But uh, you know, if you, that's well, you the difference only, between you can only do an air locker up front now. Right, that's right. all you can buy. There are no e lockers. Um, how competitive do you want to be? Yeah, you know, I mean that's everything. It is, and I think that's a really good move for somebody that's transitioning. So if you've been in work stock and you're thinking about what can I still do, right? Or hey, I might want to go to two five or two six one day. Oh yeah. Um, Lockers is probably that like transitional yeah. move. I mean, I would never recommend a front and rear locker for a guy that's a novice first year. Right. You know, to the guy, you know, I mean, a lot of these stuff that we're talking about, you could do it in stages over a year or two or three. Oh, yeah. You know, but, you know, you're, you're hooked. You love it. You know what? This is what's going to give you that competitive edge in, in the work stock for sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, from there, uh, you know, a a hitch. So going with a heavy duty rear hitch, uh, we deal with big Chevy hitch. They're, they're pulling hitches. Have you seen it? Dude, they're crazy. It bolts to the frame. Yep. It, it's so, or it mounts to the frame, right, I should mount. say. Um, yeah. So, so this is actually drawing the weight of the sled off of just the furthest tip back on your frame yep. and pulls that draw or pulls that weight into mm-hmm. more of the middle of the bedish, we'll right. call it, or at least further up the bed. Um, Weight displacement is a huge deal in this. You want to keep the weight on as as much to under the rear or over the rear axle as possible. You want to keep the weight the load there if at all possible. That's right. That's so right. That's what the the hitch more or less is designed for. And when you see this thing, guys, if you've ever had the opportunity to see it on another truck, you'll know exactly what we're referring to. Yep. And you can of course just go buy a like a regular um like a Reese Reese hitch, like that, you know, right? stuff like that. Yeah. A Reese style hitch, right? Or you can go and jump on like DHD or yep. talk to Preston Lorenz 
tuning performance products limited. Why is your company name so long? <laughs> Preston, come on, man. Um, but you could you could talk to those type of guys and they have hitches that you literally could just plug into the receiver, pin and go. They have adjustable heights you can match up because there there is hitch heights right. one of the rules you, you run into. Um but yeah, if you're again, if you're gonna be serious about this, if you wanna be competitive, mm-hmm. don't fuck around. Do the big Chevy hitch. And then last but not least, and this is another expensive one, is tires. So a lot of times, a lot of guys that I deal with, they'll buy tires every, you know, halfway through the season, you know, or they have their own specific tires for the sled pull track. And then they have like a set of street tires that they run. Um, I've seen everything guys have, I feel that the tires come in waves or in stages, oh, yeah. you know, first it's a general grappler. Then it's a, you know, a, a, I guess BF Goodrich would be long, long years ago. And then it's the, <laughs> the Nitto G2s and it's just all these different tires. I'll be honest, guys, uh, if I were to spec a, a pull truck, I'd probably be going off of what other guys are using and what whatever's they're being trendy. With. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's. I've always. I've I'm always a follower, guys. With... I'm a follower. <laughs> when it comes to tires, I'm not a big rim and tire guy. I've mm-hmm. never bought aftermarket rims in my life for any vehicle I've ever owned. Um, I just don't care that much about rims. But tires for sled pulling, it's a competitive yep. piece. Always had really good luck with Nitto Terra Grapplers. Yeah. Uh, although, like Chris said, there are definitely trends and we do see good results out of those trends so it's not like just buy it to buy it because my buddy did it's like you can actually go out and say okay who's doing really well with their tires who's really happy with their tires this season i feel like every spring from there. you know the sled pull trucks coming in here everyone runs the same tire just every year it changes exactly you know so exactly definitely trendy to say the least always looking for something uh i would say chris on their front end uh we got a duramax oh god i'm sorry I, i'm more of a cummins guy we're, my, my we're bad four wheel drive we're, we're hard launch we're talking tie rod sleeves at minimum uh you know or you would do a full heavy duty front end from like kryptonite or something like that i probably wouldn't hurt i'm a rookie man cognito control that. arm yep. brace kit or, or cognito yeah yes. uh, yes. yeah no e- either company yep. i have I, I do like um cognito stuff we've had yeah but we run we have trucks here that have kryptonite front ends and cognito front ends so yeah. i mean there is no uh discrimination from either either brand or anything along those lines um probably shop off of cost you know bang for your buck yeah yeah you know i mean i'm not big on like the cost purge if it's a budget thing if you're like down to this build and you're like oh fuck i forgot about my front end then yeah. like chris emke does um yeah. i would have had an expensive <laughs> toe thank you paul yeah you'd have been doing Rookie. we call it the, the d-max clap yeah right Dude, that's where your I front tires like touch I, I gave him the list of the mods that I was going to do the, the drive line, and then he lets me fail in, in front of all of our listeners. I literally was like sitting here reading our list yeah. as you're going through it, and I, in my head, was like, fuck, we didn't cover front end. But yeah, is anyways. It, hold on. Is a professional say fuck you on air? It's our per- level of professional. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, seriously. Yeah. No, no, but seriously, guys, um, your, your Duramaxes, independent front suspension are going to have that issue. You're right. If you're running a Cummins, a lot of these recommendations, as far as like chassis yeah. and safety, all exactly the same. Absolutely. They're identical for for a Cummins, uh, right down to that front end. Um, yeah, the front end. If you launch it hard in four wheel drive, you snap the tie rods, and your two front tires touch each other. Called the Duramax clap. It's it's a really embarrassing thing to have happen. Yeah. Tie rod sleeves for some of you guys are okay. Again, yeah. depending on the track, you got a you got a truck that hops a lot. Like if you're set up. You notice you hop a lot. It's not tie rod sleeves aren't going to last. No. Um, you also wonder about the tie rod breaking right at the top of the sleeve, right yep. where the knuckle is. 
that's we've not supposed that. to be the weak point, but we've right. definitely seen it. Um, again, it's it's an embarrassing thing to have happen. It's not exactly like it's not like the cost of a trans to repair it, but uh, give a call over to the guys at Cognito or the guys at Kryptonite. Probably call them both. Um, they're both great sets of guys. You won't be disappointed with the service or with the products. Figure out what just works better for you for your setup. I, I would say control arms, uh, A-arms, the, the basic package Absolutely. from either set of guys are, are really going to point you in the right direction. Chris, that is our 600-horsepower mock build. Yeah, yeah. That was fun. Absolutely. That was fun. <laughs> I think what we're going to do in the future, guys, we're going to try to reach out and find a couple of customers. I have one in mind out of Canada that has this exact build already together. He's been sled pulling for a few seasons, and we've been talking about his next turbo project. So expect to hear from a friend of mine, Evan Schmidt, here soon. We're going to have him on the show so we can talk a little bit more about it. I would say some of the major takeaways that we have for you guys today are just three simple things. One, know your fucking truck. Yep. What I mean by saying that, and I say it aggressively on purpose, if you bought your truck and it has 300,000 miles and you know it's had a rough life and you know the trans build was eh, spotty, don't bring it to, to a sled pole expecting it to perform like something with 10,000 miles. Know what you need to fix. Take a look at it. Inspect it. Actually get your hands on it. Get dirty. Find out about it. And then make some intelligent decisions from there about mm-hmm. how to go forward. Uh, the other thing, Chris, I think you're really big on this. Budget. Yeah. You know, I was, yeah, kind of dive right into it. Set a budget, guys. You know, like Paul had said, if you have that 300,000-mile truck, not singling you guys out because when I buy my trucks, they usually are 300,000-mile vehicles. Um don't think you're going to save money on the truck and then save money on the mods. Usually saving money on the truck means more money invested into the truck. So figure out what your budget allows, double it. <laughs> and you might not use all of it, but, uh, you know, if you double it, you have a little leftover, you know, you'll, uh, you or the wife, they'll be, you know, a little happier, I guess. So that's right. Be cautious with the budget. This stuff does get pricey in a hurry. Try to do some of the stuff you can, uh, yourself if at all possible, but, uh, you know, just be very cautious with the budget. because so, I'm so glad up. you brought that up, Chris, because it leads me right into our very last takeaway for today. Let's start simple and build in stages. Yeah. Uh, don't waste your money. You know, we talked about that a lot of places where you have an opportunity. Hey, if the turbo's off, do your downpipe. Don't pass that up. If your uppipes need it, do it. Um, you know, things like that. Build yourself in stages. So maybe your budget's not $15,000 for all the mods we mm-hmm. suggested today. Maybe your budget's $2,000. Well, that's fine. Give us a call, 815-568-7920. Chris and I and all the other guys at Duramax Tuner can take a look at what your budget is, talk about where your truck is at, and try to make some solid recommendations about what's the best way to go forward from here. Yeah. I mean, if you are on a budget and you're doing it in stages, there's no reason why you guys can't make small modifications, take it out to the local fair, sled pull it, learn what worked, what didn't, and then grow and see the gains year over year. I mean, that's one of my favorite things to do, honestly. That's right. Keep playing in the dirt. You could be one of those pros walking around with a stick poking the track. Oh, yeah. I like it. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much for listening. This has been Paul Wilson. And this is Chris Hemke. Have a great weekend. Calibrated Power Solutions, the leading North American developer of clean diesel power and home of DuramaxTuner.com, is the proud sponsor of the Diesel Performance Podcast. Calibrated Power develops emissions-equipped tunes for a wide variety of diesel powertrains, including the Duramax, Cummins, Jeep, John Deere, and many more. For more information and the best customer service in the industry, check out calibratedpower.com or call 815-568-7920. 
That's 815-568-7920. If you're not sure who your local organization is, type in the name of your state and sled pull organization to this amazing thing called Google. Oh, you have that. It's not broken. Dude, oh my God. <laughs> One of my favorite, favorite tools. That's, yeah, no comment. I'm done there. I don't want to say anything wrong. 